five. All right. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. This is uh, Chad Prinky. Um, welcome to our first episode of the Morning Huddle, uh, brought to you by Well Built Construction Consulting and uh, our partner, Stacy Holzinger, the owner of Steel Toe Communications. How are you this morning, Stacy? Good. How are you? Excellent. Thanks so much. Our first, uh, our first guest today, our guest for our first show, I should say, I, I should say is um, Kenny Malik, who is the owner of uh, Malik Mechanical. Uh, Kenny, how are you this morning? It's been a it's been a great start with a nice morning uh, morning cup of coffee. Excellent, good man. That's exactly uh, what we're hoping for, and I hope everybody else is uh, you know enjoying their morning cup of coffee while they're joining us uh, right now. Kenny, uh, by way of a little bit of an intro, um, Kenny is uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for about a decade. I've learned that a few things about Kenny. Um, he's a lifelong learner. He is constantly working on improvement. He is a, an incredibly straight shooter and, uh, and, and not afraid to admit when, uh, when he's wrong or when he sees something wrong. And, uh, and for that reason, uh, in that you know, kind of sense of, uh, I don't know, friendship and, and, and in confidence uh, in, in uh, the quality of our conversations over the years, Kenny, I, you were a no-brainer. Uh, to invite uh, as as the first guest, so I want to thank you for accepting um, and and uh, and joining uh, here today. And um, you know, with all the dozens of different things we've talked about in the building industry, uh, the stuff that we're passionate about, the stuff that drives us nuts. Um, I, I think the 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 thing that I wanted to uh, bring to the audience uh, for our first conversation today is is really just to get into. Um, something that you and I've talked about probably a hundred times, which is the, the, you know, what's right and what's wrong when it comes to effective general contractor and subcontractor partnerships. Um, so, so that's, you know, today's um, topic. Now, before we dive into to the topic, Kenny, give me, get, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. How long, how long have you been doing this? How long, how long have you been, you know, uh, running Malik Mechanical? So uh, officially, I think it's around 28 years. Um, I've, I've always had customers though since I was probably 13 years old. So in essence, it's been a long time. How's that? Yeah, right on. When you say you've always had customers, what do you mean? Well, it could be from, uh, from shoveling snow, cutting grass, um, breaking leaves, whatever. You know, growing up in, in good old Thornburg, USA, it, it gave me an, uh, a great opportunity to, to meet a lot of different people. And I guess I learned how to hustle. Uh, you, you must have had some uh, some motivation uh, to, to make some cash when you were a kid. What, what was the first big thing you bought? Uh, Levi's. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, my parents wanted to send me to high school with tough skins. Unless I paid for half of my Levi's. So you weren't having it. I wasn't having it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um. What, what is, uh, I mean, you know, you've been doing it for, for uh, you know, more than three decades in one way or another. What's your favorite part of the industry? 
the customers. Good customers is the favorite part of my end of the industry for me. Somebody that uh that you know that that appreciates and values what you do, that that trusts you and believes you, and lets you do your thing. That's the favorite part. That's awesome. Uh, have you been fortunate enough to be surrounded by those folks uh, your entire career? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a navigation. It's a navigation. It's a journey. And sometimes they're good ones and sometimes there's bad ones or not so good ones. Yeah. 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 I get you. Um, so, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of start to dive into the topic. I think that's actually a good lead in the, you know, for you, the customer um, today, right. Is the general contractor and, and, you know, uh, that maybe has has differed on one level or another over the years. And I know it's not your only customer, right? You get, there's, there's a service business involved and all that type of stuff. Right. But for the sake of our conversation here today, um, when you think about the general contractor subcontractor relationship, um, describe how that should work. Like in, from, from a subcontractor's perspective, um, obviously a mechanical subcontractor's perspective too, right? Because there's different uh, nuances to every uh, your trade category and how they want you know, the relationship to work. How, how ideally paint the picture of, of, of the optimal subcontractor, general contractor partnership from your point of view? Once you have, a, once you have trust established or credibility established from the organization perspective, which is which is another part of the journey but once that's established um it's it's about a contractor that has a good customer and that customer trusts the contractor if the customer trusts the general contractor to do his job and do it well that general contractor will engage his subcontracting community which are supposed to be supposed to be the experts in their chosen field to involve and engage them in the construction in, in the project itself so in a perfect world uh, you know sometimes i'm assuming a gc might meet with a client and a and, and go over a bar napkin sketch of what somebody wants to build and the general contractor gets excited about it and they figure out how to navigate through building it first and i'm assuming they have to go through some uh through some conversations about uh, fee structure and stuff like that. But once that fee structure stuff is established and nailed down, then we start collaborating. We start building. Um, in a perfect world, the GC is going to, you know, maybe get uh, get his subcontracting community involved in projects at 30% documents. And when he does, you know, our pre-construction group is going to look at those documents and they're going to quantify and estimate and provide budget pricing on what they see. And then the next step is to, from their knowledge, is identify what's missing, but you know is necessary, and you identify these items, quantify those, write a lot of RFIs to poke holes in the in in the project to help develop the project. And we're going to do this at thirty percent. The information goes back to the architect and engineer teams. They perfect the documents. We look at it again at sixty percent. Do the same thing. The feedback gets back to the architect and engineers and we do it again at 90 percent 
all with the desired goal of reducing change orders, eliminating uh, scope creep for the GC between the GC and subs, um, keep the thing on track and make it constructible. Yeah. So, and, and what's, what's interesting is I, I um, and of course, we're going to be talking to some general contractors in, in, on the morning huddle in the future. But what, one of the things that I, I wonder is how much does that differ from, from how a, a general contractor would draw it up? Because for, from my perspective, it sounds an awful lot like what they would like too. So, so, so ultimately, you know, it, it kind of comes down to this question sort of like, so why exactly doesn't it happen that way? And, and, and what are the forces at work? And, and, and uh, yeah, so, so before we dive into our, some hypothesis about why it doesn't happen that, happen that way, um, I guess describe what it looks like when it's broken. When it, when, so, so if I can recap in, in a sentence or two what I heard you say, it's super early involvement, 30% uh, design docs. We start partnering early. Every trade is involved in, uh, uh, you know, uh, pre-construction assistance, uh, you know, essentially informal design assist. Tell, tell me if, you know, tell me if that's correct. Right. Yes. And, and then, uh, the, the documents mature, the, the design matures, and we, we end up with a, a very efficient, extremely well, um, you know, orchestrated, uh, uh, plan. That's the way it should work. Now in there, I, I, one quick question, sorry. When do you know it's your job in a perfect world? In a perfect world, you don't know until until all final numbers are tabulated and they present the GMP to the owner and the GM and the owner approves it and then the general contractor does the selection. And we don't expect to get a project just because you provide these level of services. But you do want to be treated, you know, somewhat. You, you want them to remember: Did we bring value to the table during our pre-construction services? Um, we want to make sure, in a perfect world, we would have like-minded competition, leveled competition. Competition is a good thing, and there's there's time and a place where we might even go through the pre-con services and help develop the project. But schedule-wise, it doesn't work out for us at that point when the thing just starts moving forward. So I can I can relate and I can understand why they, the contractors might have to have two or three different people running this exercise with them to have options. You never want to yep. be in life without options. Yep. yep. Yeah. But to, and, and note, right, that I, I'll just draw a circle around that two or three, right? Not like seven or eight. Two or three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think if it just becomes unwieldy, for everybody involved, uh, you know, past a certain point. That's really interesting. So, um, all right. So just uh, uh, talk a little bit about what it looks like when it's broken, when it's, when it's, you know, really not, um, the way that a, a subcontractor would want to draw it up. That's the hard bid plan and spec market. That is a broken, that's what's broken. And you know, what causes that is something different. We can get into that if you want to later, but ultimately, um, when it's hard bid plan and spec, you know, there's, we, we get engaged late. You don't have the time to massage it. The, the drawings are already done. You write as many RFIs as you can, typically to try to level the plan field to make sure that when we look at a project, even if it's hard to plan and spec, we still want to build a successful project. 
But the RFIs that were writing at that point there are trying to level the playing field to make sure that other people, other, you know, because hopefully there's some transparency with the RFIs that we write and other people get them and pay attention to them to try to level the playing field to make sure that people are, are capturing items that are really going to be needed and required to make sure their pricing includes it. Yeah, so the broken model is hard bid, plan and spec. And and uh, I think, you know, just from pr previous conversations, I think the thing that drives both of us nuts in that environment is that there's there's actually a reward for, for dishonesty, right? There's a reward for playing games uh, for, for subcontractors in that environment. And, and the, the, the motivation is to look low, right? If the motivation is to look low, there's all kinds of creative ways for a subcontractor to, you know, play dumb and look low uh, and, and, and end up winning that work. And, um, you know, I, I know from talking to you that that's just, you're not going to sleep well at night if you do it. Now, now it does not feel good. You know, there, there, it, again, just like you said, it's a game. Some people are good at playing it. But if I was going to play that game, I would have to renovate my house here with people. Um, you know, change orders, for example. You know, when it's hard bid, plain and spec, there's the, there's not the margin in it. You have to find the margin in it. You have to nickel and dime the project. You have to, you know, go aggressive after schedule delays that you don't have any margin for error in. And I need to have a different subset of people for project managers um, to be able to document and chase. It's not it's not good. The last recession, and I think it was nine, 10, 11, whatever it was. It's a, uh, we did a lot of hard bid plan and spec work and the hard bid plan and spec work prior to that actually had margin in it that allowed me to continue to build the projects without nickeling diming things. So I didn't have to chase it, but when those margins went away during that recession, I would have had to renovate this place. I was, a, it was, a, I was an unhappy person at that time because in order to survive i would have had to, to to again renovate this company with personnel and hire people that are change order kings change order hungry um and and trying to exploit every opportunity you can get to make a buck yeah yeah and, and so I think we, you know, we know that there are some environments where the that hard bid plan and spec is kind of it's it's out of your control. That that's the way it's gonna work. Um, we'll leave those off to the side. We could explore. I, I do believe that it's worth trying to change that over the long haul, right? That that, that that's more of an, a movement uh, to try to get you know funding agencies from the government, as an example, to take a look at, at you know redesigning. Uh, procurement models so that they don't go hard bid plan and spec, but leaving those off to the side, do you see that in the private development world, you know, right now, is that, is that happening at all? It is, it is right now. And it, there's like, there's a swing and whenever the, there's a swing in an economy, you know, COVID has been the example since the commercial office building market got pretty much annihilated during this thing. Um, developers have, you know, that typically would, when, when things are busy, and they're looking for their GC friends to sit down and negotiate a project on a GC and a fee, and they're more excited about building the project. And then all of a sudden the model, the market swings, and now the developer market is going to go out and they're going to hard bid the same project to two or three different GCs. And 
that's where that's where it starts going down. Yep. Yep. You know, Guys, they trust, uh, well, I guess they trust they trust their GC partners in a good economy, and then all of a sudden that trust or that value goes away when they know that the G, the, the general contractor and subcontractor market is hungry, looking for work, and they I, I, I think there's some assumptions in there that that we profiteer in those good times and, and actually our pricing goes up. That's not the case. You know, a good contractors and good subcontractors, their, their cost perspective and their profit perspective remains the same because that you don't, it's kind of weird. You don't do what you do for money. Well, we yeah, it, it for it, money. Hitting you do a home run game. comes back on you, right? I mean, hitting hitting a home run can come back on you, right? If you yeah. if you think right, and when I say come back on it, it's it's you you don't want to take advantage uh, of of the trust because the moment the moment that happens, you have to assume that that's not going to remain private, right? Um, and uh, and 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 so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think I think there's a a belief that. Uh, you know, subcontractors are out there, you know, uh, cracking heads and, and taking money uh, when, when times are good. And I think there's some of it. I do think there's right. some of it. Um, and, and, and because of that, you know, it, it may fuel some uh, some of that lack of trust or, 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 or worry um, when times tighten up. I also think there's probably some some influence from funders, right, where there's uh, it's not maybe the developer, but it's, it's the, the source of the money. And the source of the money is is you know now you know uh, feeling jittery or, or you know demanding, uh, and so sometimes it's not you know always uh, that. But but it's interesting you're seeing it um, right now. I so I want to I want to talk to the to the audience here for a second. We are going to uh, if, if if we can manage if I can manage time correctly, <laughs> we're going to shift gears and, and want to start answering some questions. Um, please start typing some questions into the chat uh, and we'll that way we kind of have a sense of how many questions uh, we want to get to, uh, you know, and, and still wrap up by 830. Uh, I'm going to uh, ask you one more question, at least, though, uh, Kenny, which is um, I think so much you said earlier, you know, I imagine that a general contractor is getting together with a, with with their customer and they're sitting down and, and maybe doing a napkin sketch and then they're talking about um, there's so much value in really understanding one another's perspective. So what really happens behind the scenes with general contractors, if you can get a, a good, clear sense of that and appreciation for that and, and empathy for that as a sub, I think it helps you to serve them better. Um, what do you wish every general contractor understood about being a sub? You know, if there was one thing that could help them to gain some insight, some empathy for what subcontractors are doing, what's one thing you wish that GCs knew about subs? We're here to help. Really sincerely, good subs are really truly here to help to to make the project go smooth, minimize risk, minimize stress, one time, one budget, happy customer. And we can, if you engage us, we can't help. Yeah. And again, earlier I stated, it's, it's kind of weird when I'm interviewing somebody, we tell them this, we don't do what we do for money. We do what we do for the fun of the game. Money is a result. It's not the driver. 
the game, which is, again, there's two different games. You talk about the hard bid plan and spec game. I hate that game. I would prefer to engage and actually engage my people, engage everybody around us to build a good project. That is the game. We have this company as a bus. We have a lot of different seats. If everybody that we hire is in the right seat of the bus doing the right job that they're happy and best at doing, the result is money. And the same thing goes with client selection and subcontractor selection to build good projects. Money that's will be. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's, that's a really, really interesting answer. And I think something that, uh, if you think about, I mean, 30 seconds for me to, to uh, uh, editorialize. Um, if you think about your subcontracting community as there to help, um, that, that frames them up as partners. It frames them up as friends. And um, I think Kenny, Kenny is one of the most, again, straight shooter, one of the most realistic people I've talked to in the building industry. I asked him what the perfect world looked like. He was like, I'd compete, right? But I, but I would be, I would be remembered for the quality of my pre-construction services. And, and, you know, those things, you know, if I was adding value, those things would translate into having a leg up on the project. But what you definitely wouldn't do to somebody who is trying to help you is you wouldn't withhold information. You wouldn't lie. You wouldn't change the rules of the game at the last minute, right? You would operate in front of them. Even if, uh, I know you and I have talked about this before, Kenny, even if operating in front of them is, hey, Kenny, I need your help. Like you're going to win it, but I, I'm not, this one's not going to be yours. That's great information for you to have. And to your point, you're still going to help and you're going to help 100%. And I know that. Yes. Honesty is always the best policy. Awesome. All right, cool. I'm going to uh, invite Stacy on to help us to sort through uh, some of these questions and uh, and help us to uh, to answer you know uh, questions as they come in. So, Stacy, what do we got uh, for for questions? We probably have time for like three or four. Okay, sure. So, Scott Friend said. <clears throat> How are you keeping up with the lead times becoming longer and the lack of resources to build the job? Better asked, how have you and your GC partners been able to team up to show the owners that schedule simply can't be an aggressive right now, given the current climate? It's about laying out your, your resources. It's not, it's, it's about not over committing. You can only produce what you can produce with the resources that you have. And if you, as soon as you start going out trying to find work that you don't have resources for, that's going to be ugly. Uh, that's been the, the private nightmare that you know I probably dealt with 15, 18 years ago. When you find a job, you didn't have the personnel. Now you have to hire the personnel to do that work. And it's never a good recipe. You don't know what you're getting with. So, so that's a, I mean, that's a great piece of advice as it relates to your own internal resources. Let me ask a question. Have, have you, um, have you turned away work, uh, in, in you know, work that you would want? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, over the last month, we've had to turn away work, um, that we were running pre-con on and, you know, I hate to say it, but it's, it's come down to first come first serve with a, a lack of transparency, lack of communication, a lack of commitment that I picked up something else and I wasn't able to, to execute uh, to, to procure another contract for somebody else. Well, I think it's a really important message for the general contractors who are watching this to, 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 you know, pay attention to, which is, you know, 
buy as as early as you can from the people that you really want to buy from. Uh, the faster you can get them on your team, the more like to your point, first come, first serve. When you don't know whether you're going to get this one or this one, uh, when this guy comes to you and says, hey, it's your job, you're saying yes, even if this one was a little bit better, because it's not like you can it's not like you can wait. Money's right? not money is a result. And again, I have an obligation to my people to keep my keep work in front of my people and a bird in the hand is worth better one in the bush, better than one in the bush. So you got to do what you got to do. And it, it's unfortunate. Yep. Thank you. All right. Good. Um, uh, 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 other questions, Stacey? Yeah. Tara McCarthy said, how do you rebuild trust with a client after it's broken? <laughs> Don't break it. <laughs> Don't break it. You know, be honest. If something's, if something's going south, have a straight up conversation with them and just be honest. Uh, Trust is the foundation of every relationship. And whenever you're not transparent with things, just be honest and come at them and tell them the truth. What happened? Let the dice, you know, let, let, let the chips fall where they fall. It is what it is. But honesty is the best policy. Kenny, I, I, I freaking love that answer. Um, there is a, uh, you know, you're gonna screw up. So if the, the question wasn't, how do you rebuild relationships once you screw up? Uh, the question is, how do you build relate rebuild relationships when you lose trust and losing trust is within your control? People aren't going to lose trust for you for screwing up. They're going to lose trust for you because of the way that you handled the screw up. Did you try to hide it? Right. Did you lie about it? Did you try to blame somebody else? Did you try to save a couple of bucks rather than saving the relationship? Right. That that's the and I love it. I think that's exactly right. You can choose whether you lose trust. And if look, if somebody wants to say, I'm not going to work with you again because I don't like the way that went down, uh, at least their their trust in your honesty and integrity shouldn't be undermined. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry you feel like that. Hopefully we'll have another opportunity to, to show you something different in the future. That's it. Yep. Excellent. Good. Uh, Stacey, how about another? Sure. Um, Scotch Montgomery said, buying earlier is even becoming a challenge is even becoming a challenge though, especially in a world where escalation is becoming more and more unpredictable. Where's the happy medium in buying early and mitigating escalation risk? The happy medium, you got a job to do. You just got to do it. You got to know your own schedule. And again, the, the, the farther, the earlier that the owner can get you involved in it uh, to where you can actually have the time to do your job the better off everybody's going to be. But again, if it's hard bid plan inspect, late deadlines, they want to, you know, they bid it on a Thursday, want to start it on a Tuesday. You can't be proactive. You can't be proactive. You, especially the owners got to understand now there is supply chain disruption. So they got to get their projects engaged with early to give people the opportunity to do their job. You know, we're, we're finding ourselves, you know, documenting and timelining when we're awarded the project, when we, have released our subs and vendors and documenting you know, the whole process because there's certain things that are outside of our control. Be prepared yeah, for transparency. I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a right now an immediate world uh, situation related to supply chain delays, uh, you know, uh, pricing escalation, all those different types of things that, that have um, created a, a whole other set of challenges and questions. I, I would, uh, you know, I think what, what I'm hearing you say, Kenny, is buy early, uh, regardless, doesn't matter, man, just get, get, get it, you know, so 
Uh, have you seen any interesting uh, clauses, contractual clauses that are, are protecting people against, you know, price ex escalation or anything like that if they do sign up early? No, no. I haven't seen anything new come up, come out in contract reforms with this, but I've seen good general contractors engage early and and or through the scope process. They want to under they want to understand what the long leads are. Good general contractors are asking the questions early, and you know some of the things that they're even considering doing is maybe doing an early release for a small package. The documents might not be 100%, but maybe the underground portion of it is, and they'll do an early release package to get somebody signed up and working on it so they can hit the ground running with with trying to do the best they can to avoid delays because of supply issues. Yep. Awesome. All right, cool. Um, you know, uh, rather than running long with this group, I want to tr try to set a good expectation that we're going to wrap up at 830 on the dot. I just want to take a moment to thank you so much, Kenny, for taking, you know, some time this morning and joining and, and having this conversation. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk to you know the audience here for a moment. I we you, we, we came up with, you know, well, okay, so first off, Stacy came up with this. And, uh, and I want to thank uh, Stacy and Steel Toe for, uh, you know, forcing the issue and, and creating this opportunity uh, for this kind of dialogue um, it, with, without Stacy's, uh, you know, intention, intention on this and, and pushing me along, uh, we wouldn't be here. So thank you so much for that and, uh, and for, you know, uh, you know, producing and organizing this show. Um, we thought we were going to do six. I think we're going to do this every week. Um, uh, you know, we, we've gotten an overwhelming response. Tons and tons of people are reaching out, asking if they can be a guest, asking to participate. I think we have guests lined up through January now. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and so if that's something that appeals to anybody who's watching, if you have something that you're passionate about and something that you feel like you can add value uh, by talking about, I'd love to hear from you and, and uh, you know, welcome that kind of interaction. Um, and, uh, and, and, and on next week's show, uh, we have uh, a person named Chris Blake. Uh, he's an expert in the industry workforce, and he's going to be talking about emerging construction tech uh, opportunities, con construction tech jobs, uh, and talking about you know what what is uh, new and trending and what we can expect coming up uh, as it relates to uh, you know the job opportunities that are being posed by construction uh, by uh, technology and construction. Uh, Kenny, any any last words uh, that you want to uh, sh shout out to the group that's watching here today? Make a difference. Join the show. Talk about what you're passionate about it, and let's fix this industry. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. I'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you, Chad. Guys, thanks for joining us.